This is the SNC podcast. My name is Shade Anozie. Today on the show, I have with me Coach Okoye. Koch is a music and entertainment business professional who works for Immensa Music, which is a boutique rights management company that is based out in Los Angeles, California. In his past life, he used to co-host The Morning Rush on Beat 99.9 FM. He is also a member of the Recording Academy and is an ASCAP publisher. I'm happy to have him on the pod with me. Welcome, Koch. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, sunny day in Los Angeles, so... It's always a good day. I miss LA. My family is back in LA, so. Oh, yeah. Nice. Have you had In and Out recently? No, um, I. <laughs> but <laughs> I do not have In and Out. Um, on the record, I'll say that I do not have In and Out. Okay, so you're lying to someone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had it recently. No. Okay, all right. I feel like that's one thing that that's like it's apart from the weather and all these you know awesome things, beautiful things in LA. I just feel like. In and out is like one thing that it's just like it's missing in Chicago and it's quite it's quite sad. It's obviously that we don't have it here. So. Well, you guys have carrots, so. Really though, like. Come on, like, like really, <laughs> like seriously, I feel like the line has made me hate carrots. Like there's no way, like I just don't really get the. And, and maybe also because I live in Chicago, so it's like you kind of get jaded. Yeah, it's not all the time, but um, I mean, I've seen like Nigerians put like a hundred carrots in suitcases oh and take them back. Yeah. I've seen that. So, guys, you know, it does make people good. Uh, like, you see the lines, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, shout out to all the tourists. But, um, but anywho, well, I'm glad to... Guys, talking about popcorn, um, yeah, just for everyone listening, so... Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, what? I mean, yeah, that is true. I apologize. We're talking about <laughs> popcorn, and In-N-Out is, like, this fast food restaurant in L.A. That's in L.A. in Southern California that's, like, pretty much the most awesome thing ever. I'm just going to go on before I decide to like take a trip next to, um, to, 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 to Cali. So can you give us a bit of your background? Okay. So first of all, well, my government name is actually on a chair and it's like meshed and merged into court somehow. And it's stuck. I don't know. I'm probably since I was like 13 or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so just going into my background, I was born in Portacos actually. I was, yeah. I was born in Portacos. Um, Shout out to the PH people. Um, I grew up in Maryland, um, which is like the DMV mm-hmm. area, DC, Virginia. I grew up in that area, um, started elementary school, as we call it, and then probably went back to Nigeria when I was about, I don't know, 10. Finished up primary school, like the last class or whatever, uh, Montessori, um, and then moved to Ignatian in Benin. I was there for five years, and then I failed a class, <laughs> and they told me to repeat, and my parents were like, man, you've turned into a bad boy in this school, so they're taking you somewhere else, and then um, I remember we were coming back from holidays, and I thought I was going to, you know, be in the usual, and I found myself driving, like, in Lagos, I was like, what's happening, and they didn't even tell me what was going on, I thought, okay, maybe we're coming to visit someone, and then next thing, um, they're dumping me in this school called Corona, and I hated my life. For at least the first like month, I was just angry with parents, you know, my mom especially. And as with everyone who moves, you, you take time, you settle in. And I made some of the best, you know, friends and relationships, um, some which I still carry, you know, to this day. I'm actually, in hindsight, very grateful for that, but I hated it at the time. Fast forward from Corona, moved to, to Bath in England uh, for sixth form and all that. And I uh, did that, finished, went, moved like to the next city, which is Bristol, 
basically because I, I went to Bristol a lot from Bath. So I already liked the city. I, I had friends there, so I just, you know, applied. And I got to um, UWE, University of West England, which is in Bristol. It's the second uni, but it's the bigger one. But it's the less, you know, prestigious <laughs> um, of the two. And, yeah, I did Bristol for a while. Kind of found myself there, you know, especially for what I'm doing today. You know, I, I found myself in Bristol for sure. I was there for a very long time. Longer than I should have been, actually. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, I... I mean, uni is like three years, and I finished, or I, so I changed course after two years. So, it, you know, instead of three years, I spent like five. Okay. Because I had to, I was doing something, I was doing like accounting, and I was doing it so I can impress my parents, I guess, I don't know. But um, it just it wasn't working. So uh, after the second year, I was like, yeah, I told my mom, like, yo, I can't really do this thing anymore. And then, you know, it was like a big, oh, my God, you've, you know, wasted all this time, your mates have left you behind, and I'm like, well, you know, I think that's when I kind of grasp that life is not really uh, a race, mm-hmm. it's a marathon, mm-hmm. as they say, mm-hmm. um, and I just took my time, and I did my thing, uh, got out sometime in 2009 or 2010, and I had a lot of time to really delve into the music, so um, I actually was a lot, like, I was very heavily involved in music, um, from the, like, event side to radio promotion to just with because working with like local artists in bristol and london and then um and that was it that was kind of how my thing just snowballed into what it is today yeah. so just, yeah. just quick question going back to your story when you were talking about how your parents like were driving to lagos i was literally waiting for you to say oh they took me to like or something and talking about corona like that's like the end of the world and like really yeah, people. Go ahead. No, no, no. It has no. Seriously, actually, far from. I mean, um, in Potaka, I actually grew up. I wouldn't say rough, but it was like you know the neighborhood was not like the most pleasant. Where like so it's not actually it was not. I don't think I was in Ajapota, mm. but to many people, I'm sure like you know, like seriously, dude. But yeah, for <laughs> real, like I've 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 had my fair share of, of life, you know. So mm. I don't necessarily. I've I've been definitely privileged, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I've not been in situations for you know long periods of time where one would not desire mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. no i totally get that that's just me being facetious because people think i'm the queen of <laughs> queen of bougie <laughs> i'm just gonna walk on from that story um but yeah you know just also going back to that like i have friends who, who went to benedion and they've also um talked about how like they feel like their time there even though they had to transfer to a different school felt that you know it kind of shaped them to be tougher and to, oh, yeah. know, be yeah. not take no for an answer because you have to like you know Benidorm can be can be quite rough I guess you know? yeah it was yeah there's this like I don't know notion this idea that Benidorm was like a soft school mm. and a lot of, I guess I don't know at the time maybe you know they charged a bit in the school fees or whatever but mm. um I thought actually a lot of people could afford it because when I got to school the, like it was just it was such a broad spectrum you know like different people from different walks of life and i really loved it like i really i'm really thankful because yeah we you got you know people who are from well-off homes or you got people who are from the street too so you're all in the same school and you learned a lot from these people definitely mm-hmm. yeah okay just quickly you said that you switched from accounting so what was the major that you eventually focused on was it well actually so yeah i have a degree in economics okay and I just, you know, I found that, I, I don't know, maybe it's the evil man in me. I, mm-hmm. I, I just found that, like, easier to, you know, deal with and 
made me, I guess, it challenged me more to think about how to make money um, as opposed to accounting. Mm. Oh, my mom was an accountant, or you know, she worked in the bank. So okay. naturally, I, I, I kind of wanted to, I guess, tour that line. Yeah. You know, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, <clears throat> actually, I had an internship uh, about ten years ago now. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's been a while, and in in a bank in London for like I don't know, four months for like the whole summer basically. And as much as I loved it and they loved me and actually offered me a position to stay on um, <clears throat> after I finished, I just that's it, it just hit me like yeah I I do not enjoy this life this you know it, waking up five a.m. six a.m. whenever catching the you know the tube. I just didn't enjoy it. So that's kind of when I felt like, okay, I need to let these people know. I need to let somebody know, you know, who's making these decisions for me. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm going to be feeling this <laughs> life. And I, I'm thinking of music and the arts because my family were very artsy. So that that was kind of like, yeah, that was calling me, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I had to let them know. Yeah. And like I talked about in my introduction, you also used to co-host the Morning Rush on Beat um, 99.9 FM. So can you talk Mm -hmm. about that a little? So when did you decide to move back to Nigeria to do that and talk about your experience? Okay, let me me break that question into different parts. Can you talk about your move back to Nigeria and your time on Beat FM? Um, Okay, so I moved back to Nigeria um, January, I think, sometime 2011. And... As you move back, the first thing they throw on you is NYSC. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. like, ah, gosh, you know, what do I do? And then um, did Lagos camp. Yes, I went to camp, actually. I mean, I, I felt <coughs> ill, and, yeah, I had to leave. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but I did go to camp. Uh, it was fun. Um, reminded me a lot of Ignidion, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I did that. Um, and then, you know, luckily posting all that, I, I got posted to, to Lagos. I think when I, when you go to Abuja, you know, you're filling out the forms and everything. I just kind of let them know what I was after, I guess. And yeah, I got posted. So I found myself working in, in BTFM, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, it, 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 cause I have production, you know, uh, in my background. Uh, I, you know, I've been a sound engineer, I've been a producer, I've done all that. I've kind of, Music is not just, yeah, music has always been my thing. Like, definitely not, you know, I, I just saw an opportunity or something and I'm just trying to make a quick buck. No, it's been, like, I've been an artist myself. So when I talk to most people, it's coming from a, like, okay, I understand you. Mm-hmm. You know, what this is, what, what, you're, what you're trying to do on this track, what you're going through at the moment, you know, you with investors or whatever. So, Sorry, um, so when you say yeah. that you've been an artist, were you a singer or a rapper? Both actually. Both, really. What was your what was your stage name? No, let's leave that one. You know the you know the internet is like you know the internet is amazing. So. That's what you find. Okay, Davia, Davia, tell you that in LA. I can see your story. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so just BFM got in there, um, you know, as a producer. So I worked in the production department, um, did voiceover, did the ads, did a lot of, you know, just 
that sort of thing. And then as I grew in the company, I started to get my hands on the music more. Um, so I had like influence in terms of, you know, suggesting new tracks just because I guess I was coming from England, you know, I was very tech savvy. Um, I had the internet, my fingertips, so I knew where to get everything before anyone else or everyone else. So I always, I guess that was like an advantage for everyone around me just because everyone comes to me and always has to say, Hey, I need new music. I've always been that guy since I was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something. So, um, it was the same, just whether I get you know, paid or whatever, I'm always going to, you know, find music. I'm always going to be looking for the next hot thing, kind of like the A&R in me. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be there. So it's always been there. Um, so, yeah, I started doing production, EJFM, and then from voiceover, I guess they, they all liked, you know, my voice and what I could do. And then I remember um, Olisa kept telling me, hey, have you, you know, have you, have you thought of going live? Have you thought of going live? Have you thought of going live? And I was like, no, I haven't actually. No, I don't think I want to. I was very reluctant at first, and then he just kept pushing. Why were you reluctant? I don't know. Um, I'm a shy person. If anyone who knows me knows. I'm actually pretty reserved, pretty shy, pretty laid back in my shell. So it's not that I don't like to. I'm one of those, like, closet performers, I'll probably say. Like, I'll perform to myself. <laughs> I don't. But um, when it comes to you know, crowd people, I, I just, you know, I'm chill. And that's me. So um, so I didn't just want to. I could do it. Obviously, they, they could all see that I could do it. You know, from voiceover and just things we did um, within the station. They, but, and eventually, um, I think, I don't know, Ollie was ill or something. And he needed someone to help him online. I mean, on air. And yeah, man, I just, so yeah, man. this guy, come. <laughs> Take this thing, I beg. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, he couldn't, he was, he sounded like, he sounded terrible, like, oh, good morning. And so I had to, like, step in and be like, hey, guys, welcome, you know, to the yeah, morning. Yeah. That's kind of how it started. And that's really how I picked up. Um, took off from there, picked yeah. up. And I just took on more. And then, yeah, we became a thing. Um, and I enjoyed my time. So what mm-hmm. did your time at BDSM, what did that teach you about the Nigerian music industry? Okay, I mean, I know it's radio, so, but, you know, just because you're doing yeah, the DNA. No, yeah. it, it actually... Um, it, it was very, my time at BTFM, my time in radio was just, it was probably, if not the most, it was one of the most influential periods of my career today, mm-hmm. just because it showed me the, the commerce mm-hmm. in, I guess, media. I started to think media, not just music, because mm-hmm. when I got there, I was only thinking of music. Yeah. I was an artist. I actually, you know, when I got back to Nigeria, um, initially I had a studio. I built a studio. Um, I, you know, that was my first legitimate business. It, it failed eventually, but, you know, I did it. I did it myself. I had people come through, but the jobs were just were not enough. So I had to, couldn't, you know, just, we just couldn't sustain. Um, so we had to close. But just coming from that side, I didn't really think much of like the, the media, the business, the music industry as, commercially or as you know as much of a business i was more i've always been on the arts and i'm still a part of the arts but i just now have the business side to it so the radio is definitely responsible for that because i've seen the direct impact of music being on radio and then changing you know an artist's life you know via just the awareness you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, they're going on to perform at shows and this and that just because the song is getting you know played on radio because they have a hit single or something. So it's like, yeah, it, it was definitely in, you know, a very important influential period for me. And it opened my eyes because then I started to think, okay, um, from basically from there, we, you know, my friends or well, my partners with my friends first, um, we went on to uh, really take things on with like Aristocrat Records, which is a record label. Yeah. So that was, the radio definitely helped me uh, shape that idea of, okay, let's, 
let's look at this as a commercial recorded business venture because this is the business of recorded music, isn't it? So. Now, in you, in terms of making the tran- transition to a music executive, so when you left Beat FM, how did you now decide that, okay, you know, I want to, like you said, you've been artist, but what made you now shift that mindset? Well, obviously running a record label, it's like you learn a lot, you're dealing with a lot, and I'd been in record labels before, like, you know, management positions and stuff like that but I guess when you have the first-hand experience of you know dealing with uh, just the procedures the, behind like ARing and corporate communication and going into meetings with execs from like telcos and this and that when you start to have that you know that and take that on you kind of start to see things from I guess a different perspective and you're, you become I don't know maybe part of a different world where it's like this is how these people deal so you have to kind of be able to deal with this or be flexible enough to deal with certain things at certain times, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now, what exactly does your role entail at Immensum? Um, okay, so basically Immensum is a music, sorry, artist services, art, you know, music business services company um, specializing in um, rights management. So by rights management, you know, we mean like publishing, uh, neighboring rights, image rights, just everything that has to do with kind of your, your, like one's intellectual property and copyright um and then we also provide other artist services you know like um spotify playlisting and stuff like that so we we deal mostly or mainly in the digital space so everything on the you know talking to other labels or um dsps like you know spotify's and apples and things like that trying to just work with them to work with artists kind of if you know what i mean to represent them on behalf of the artists so at Immensum, I'm the director of Sync and Creative, which um, in a publishing company, you know, there's like a Sync department, which does the direct like pitching for film, uh, to films and, and, and TV shows and games um, of music. And then there's the admin department, which, you know, does all the uh, paperwork mm-hmm. and copyright claims and stuff like that. And then... There's the business affairs who works in, in tandem with the admin to do things when you're trying to clear a track or, you know, someone's trying to do a counterclaim or something on your copyright. You have to work with the, you know, uh, business affairs, which is illegal. So yeah, I'm mainly the creative ENR guy at, um, Immensum. And yeah, I spend my time and my days, um, talking to music supervisors about songs within our catalog and just, you know, trying to get the most, um, value and exploit the music, you know, the best way we can to, to, to get the most value for it. Oh, and we'll get, we'll go into more detail for people in, uh, like, okay, what exactly does he mean by sync, you know, um, mechanical, all these different things. So I wanted to also know, what is a typical day like for you as the director of things and creative at Immensum? Um, I mean, so first off, I have a day job. So I work for a company called Tunco. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I work in, at Tinko Publishing. So, and, you know, based out in, in, in LA. Mm-hmm. And um, I work with them, but then, you know, on the condition that I can also run, you know, immense them. So it, it works out for me. So, so some, like half of the week I'm, I'm at Tinko doing, you know, what we do there. And then on a typical immense day, 
Um, I will just obviously, you know, emails go back and forth with, you know, the music supervisors or, you know, people you've pitched to or whatever, whether it's positive or negative. And then obviously talk to my, my writers and, and my clients. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then spend the rest of the day probably pitching to new leads and prospects and just get, that's, you, you just spend most of the day communicating. See, that's my, because I, I, you know, I just do like the, the creative, but then obviously on the admin side, you know, I will oversee what they're doing and they, they're just, you know, mainly registering new works, you know, with the, the PROs or um, any collection society. And, and sometimes the collection society or the PRO will come back and say, hey, this song belongs to this person or you didn't file your splits correctly or something. So you just kind of have to clean up all that stuff on the admin side. And then, yeah, same thing for the, for the business affairs. Like, they, you know, I'll, I'll pop over there and see what they're doing. And um, they just are going back and forth with these bodies you know, trying to settle disputes that have already started, that kind of thing. Before I go into more detail about what Immensum Music does and what they can offer to Nigerian producers and songwriters and artists. So this is me, you know, like I told you, beauty of the internet. Now tell me if, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, okay? <laughs> now, <laughs> so I went, I went digging, I was in Amibor, you know, so like I said, Amibor is like my next best thing. So I went on YouTube and I saw that you used to have a YouTube channel. Okay, you kind of still have a YouTube channel. Oh. And there's this, there's this video that, yeah. you know, you're recording, I think it was the Stone, okay. Stoner Cafe chilling. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I told you, don't mess with me, my brother. Oh. <laughs> so, like, wow. No, but you know what's so cool about it that it also just like echoes what you've been saying about your journey. Like you've oh, right. always been that you know air and all management events type person. You know what I'm trying to say. But yeah. it was just cool to see you. <laughs> I'm not you find that. Wow. <laughs> you have another video that you recorded for um, Dark Poet. Yeah, yeah. It was just such a pretty awesome performance actually. It has to do with like the number six. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, I used, to, should I say used to be, I used to, so I used to have a, a, a camera, a DSLR, I did like, I did a little bit of filming for a while and then, um, and then my camera got stolen in Nigeria, obviously, and it, that, I just never picked it up again, I just never had time, I guess, I, I could never find the time to just get another camera and start doing it again, but like, so that was period when, you know, short music videos, I shot things like that for Dark Poet and stuff like that um yeah and i i actually did it i made a little money off it i did it like <laughs> you know, for a couple of companies as well so yeah that was a fun time that's cool yeah don't getting fired so. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry it was nothing nothing it was nothing but all. it was just good to see like a young person trying to you know put themselves out there and i just i was like oh i'm gonna bring because i i figured that you know you will be all professional so i was like you know nah Gotta, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta open his, open his behind. Okay, yeah. now, one of the most amazing quotes I just think that everybody loves from is from Erica Badu. And, you know, she's talking about the reality of music and the music business being two different things. Yeah. I wanted to know, because now we have a lot of Nigerian artists, producers, and singer-songwriters who are beginning to wake up to the reality that, you know, it's one thing for you to have good music, it's another thing for you to actually know the music business. So I wanted to know for you, uh, especially with what Immensum does and what you do as an executive, how does that make you feel to, to know that people are actually beginning to pay more attention to the business side of music? Um, it's brilliant because sometimes like, I don't know, 2013 or 14, I, I, I would talk to, you know, one or two artists and I'd, and, and I'd ask them, hey, what's your, you know, what's your publishing like? Or what's, what's this or that like? And it was annoying for me because they didn't really know what I was talking about. So I, I knew that, okay, 
education was necessary and is necessary because a lot of people still don't know what you know publishing is and like basically music publishing just deals with copyright and the composition under songs under recording so say for example the bodyguard whitney houston you know famous song we all know whitney houston didn't write the song dolly parton actually wrote that song and whitney houston performed it so it's very important you have to be able to tell the difference between you know, a sound recording or performance and a composition or, or you know or what a writer does basically so Every time that song plays, every time it has played, and, and when the, you know, the movie grossed, and the, the album, in fact, grossed millions, so it's one of the top ten albums of all time, yeah. The Bodyguard. Whitney Houston wasn't getting paid for the composition. Publishing or the publisher will deal with Dolly Parton, in this case, because she wrote the song. So it's about songwriters, and it, it dates all the way back to, you know, from Frank, Frank Sinatra era, where Tim Panali and People would like line up, you know, and write songs and give him. He just sang for, from different writers, and those writers would obviously register their works with, you know, ASCAP and BMI, who was, who were around. They've been around for that long, and they would register their works and get paid because they, they were the writers, and that's where the publisher would come in. So that's kind of it's 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 the same practice. It's been that way for over a hundred years. And we as Nigerians, you know, if I segue back to our original topic, mm-hmm. we're now getting hip to it. And I love it. And I love the fact that, yeah, you go on BMI or SOCAN or PRS and see, you know, famous, popular Nigerian, you know, artists who are signed up and, and getting the, you know, what's due to them. And it's it's not been the case. I, I, I feel bad for a lot of, I'll say, artists in the older generation who didn't have this chance, who were not able to sort of I guess due to lack of education, technology, what 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 have you, could not like just from from their bed just register their work to register with you know a PRO and see their checks coming to them every quarter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just going back to Immensum, how did the company get formed? Because like we talked about, is it because you your time in Nigeria made you realize that a lot of Nigerians? Go ahead, I think you're about. To... Yeah, I mean it was just basically uh, I needed you know. Working record label, working radio, working... Um, when I left BTFM, I actually started uh, a company. Well, I didn't start it when I left. I started doing, but I started focusing on it when I left BTFM, a company called NRI. NRI is a management company, but it was also a digital distributor. So um, we curate videos for Vivo and put songs, you know, on iTunes and everything. And I, I set that up and, and I started working very closely with a lot of artists. Um, because obviously they'd want to release songs and stuff like that. So my job was to bring them revenue. And I quickly realized that, okay, there's like there up to 40 revenue streams an artist can benefit from at any given time. And in Nigeria, we probably only get three or four. Well, you know, like shows, endorsements, yeah. you know, things of that sort. You know, uh, that sort, rather, I'll say that sort. And yeah, what, and sales, that's it. So that's four. Okay. You only get four and you can get, you know, 10 times that. So I, my, 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 my thinking just instantly changed that, okay, hey, I need to find a way to make this happen. I mean, my, my, my job, my goal has always been to help artists. And anyone who knows me, you know, kind of just knows me. And <laughs> I don't really like to, I'm not a, talkative person i don't toot my horn but you kind of just know hey coach is a stand-up guy and he's gonna help you out so that's been my thing so it's like i i just wanted to take it to the next level and then i moved to la i actually went to a musician's institute i went to do a course there and you know that just helped me like refocus some things and, and brush up on some other things that i had been doing and i guess i wasn't doing properly mm-hmm. I, yeah and, and you know it was all guns blazing um momentum launched in 2016 
and you know it's it's been a, a great ride <laughs> yeah and and this is the for the music musicians institute that's the hollywood musicians institute yeah. right yeah some of your clients include the video lady donnelly burner boy craze adequately gold missy lyric avala files jackie mcleod i hope i'm pronouncing her name right so for someone who is a songwriter and knows that nigeria is not really a fertile ground for songwriting and then making money from publishing how can mm-hmm. they take their skills to the next level and say okay i want to beyond being in nigeria take my skills um outside the country how, so um well so, so for songwriters the thing is uh so someone like let's take tia savage for example mm-hmm. tia savage before she moved back to nigeria she was a songwriter she she's you know she's written for like mary j Blythe, mm-hmm. right so she you know found a way through a good publisher that's what a publisher would do for you where mm-hmm. they will sign you up and put you in you know in sessions and put you in, in writing camps and stuff like that and they'll get you you know you, you come up with great songs and who knows who they can pitch it to they, the publisher can can have you know a universal A&R who's looking for a song for Justin Bieber's next album and then you just get you know you, they, they pitch it and you know the artist hears it and it's like boom next thing you're you're receiving checks, you know, from a number one hit single on the billboard. Do you know what I mean? That's ki- that's literally how it works. That those are the steps in a nutshell, and that's how a, a, a songwriter can get to the next level. It's by finding a good publisher, because um, the the there are not many out there, but there are a few, you know. Mm-hmm. And find a good one, one that will work for you, one that's passionate about. Kind of like same way, same things you look for in a manager, you know. But just like a manager that's, that does different things, that's kind of what a publisher is. Or a management company that does different things to what your manager would do, or management company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just find someone who's passionate about your music and about your songwriting, and has a vision for where they want to put you, and 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 the the vision aligns with yours, and boom, I think you know that's that's a match made in heaven. You go for it and see where it takes you. Yeah, just to answer your question. That's pretty much it. Because the reason why I asked that question is, I you know I know a couple of people in Nigeria who um have problems publishing deals um mm-hmm. in America, and I think that a lot of Nigerians who are really kind of talented songwriters always think that they have to move outside the country to be successful as a songwriter but you can still be in Nigeria doing whatever it is you're doing and just be right sorry go ahead no of course I was just agreeing with you yeah so that's why I had to ask that question because it may seem like a very I guess self-explanatory question but again not everybody has the same level of knowledge that everyone has so it's just always good that you kind of break it down for um, the average person. And also still kind of going back to songwriting, I don't know why that's like a, you know, sometimes you hear some Nigerian songs and you really wonder why the person didn't get the help of a songwriter. Uh, I'll come to that thing. Now, what I'm going to say is don't be too critical of our songwriters because, first of all, we have some of the most fantastic songwriters. Oh, no, it? when I say, I, I'm not even criticizing the songwriters, I'm talking about the artists. Well, I mean, when I say, well, okay, so first thing, mo- most artists are songwriters in terms of, you know, most artists write their own songs in Nigeria or generally in today's world, every, you know, everyone's, ever since the Beatles, that's kind of been the thing, you write mm-hmm. your own songs. And not everyone does it, but it's like, you know, it's a thing. When I say songwriters, I'm also referring to artists, just mm-hmm. to, yeah. to clarify. But yeah, they, they're serving their market. Do you know what I mean? Like, they know the, it's, it's kind of, it's like the market wants what it wants. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, Apple, you know, they've defied that by giving us sometimes what we don't really know we want with them we want it the next day you know but but yeah generally for music you 
your market wants what they want and you serve them, you know. So when you have an artist making a song and you think, oh my God, what are these chewing gum lyrics? It's like someone out there is really like vibing their life out to that, you know, to those singable chewing gum lyrics that someone else, you know, with a more discerning ear will be like, ah, this is nonsense, you know. So so just being, I guess from, I, I, I won't even lie, like a younger me was like, ah, what's this you know like there's a time i did not really listen to nigerian music maybe i don't know 15 years or so ago and when i would listen to nigerian music i thought of it as very basic and very just silly because of some of the lyrics but then when you actually become more immersed in the culture and you get to know what or why this is happening why this song is being you know sung or what you know just what's being said you kind of find an appreciation for it so that's just to go back and you know to saying don't be so because yeah sometimes they do that very deliberately like sometimes they do need songwriters i agree with you but other times they're actually doing that because they're just serving the market you know I, yeah, but you know, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you definitely made that point. But I'm not even—it's not even from a bashing standpoint or saying that the lyrics are bad. Not even that, or saying that um, they're they're not serving the market. I totally get all of that. <laughs> what I'm even saying is that even if you want to serve the market, there are people who are talented enough to write songs that will still serve the market. That, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. So I'm yeah. not even saying that you yeah. have to have your lyrics be about chemistry or biology. No, because right. for example, someone like Davido. He has mm-hmm. perfected that craft of he knows that there are people in Nigeria who are talented songwriters, you know, not even singers or even their producers or whatever it is. And, you know, he has been able to say that, you know, maybe on certain songs, what I may want to say, I may not be able to convey that properly. But someone like whoever it is that writes songs for him or he buys songs, you know, so it's not even about bashing because clearly I'm not, you know, I love the Nigerian music industry, but I just feel like we have this thing sometimes where like people don't want to even acknowledge that, oh, someone wrote a song for them. Like it's like a taboo mm-hmm. for someone to say, oh, Shade, yeah. Koch wrote the song for me. And it's like, but there's nothing wrong with Koch singing. You yeah. have to sing the song. Just okay. Touching on that, you know, I guess I I, I kind of got what you're saying wrong, so I apologize for that. You're right. So like David O, I think he's very open about people writing for him, or not people because I mean he's a great writer as well. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the songs he has used right lets people know, and other people kind of hide it, and it, it's 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 true, and it's sad because that's that's literally the industry right there. That's the that's the entire publishing industry. I mean, the publishing industry in America is like a five billion dollar industry. And that's just the U.S. I don't know, like Europe, the, the entire Europe is probably another like five billion or something. So it's like you're denying an industry when you deny that oh this person wrote my song or that person you know contributed on my on my on my production or something. You're just denying a, a whole industry, and it's I, I find it quite silly. But then it's I don't really blame people. It's it's kind of it just wasn't it's, it was never like set up or was never made or laid there do you know what I mean and that's why people like myself are doing what we do now to enable that environment you know for songwriters to thrive because there, there, there are hundreds of thousands of songwriters in Nigeria who just don't know what to do like I get you know emails every day you know about hey I'm a songwriter how do I leverage my talent how do I you know literally what you ask how do I take my career to the next level and it's just because the, the, the environment the you know the industry just doesn't enable this and just so going back to music publishing not being at the forefront in Nigeria kind of mm-hmm. ties back to what the band even he realized that as well you know talking about the importance of publishing in Nigeria I guess I wanted to know like you also kind of alluded to that like people that like you get tons of emails 
from songwriters who say they want to take their career to the next level. So what advice would you have for someone in terms of your role at Immensum and what Immensum can do for a songwriter in Nigeria and even like a, a music producer? Well, advice, I think just kind of, well, what Immensum can do is obviously if someone is a talented songwriter and, um, you know, they're of interest to us, obviously we give them advice, we take them on and, you know, we take their, their catalog and, and we work it. You know, we just... Trying to, I specifically specialize in sync. So I'm just, you know, my responsibility is to take records and just go make something happen. And with, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. If you could just define what syncs are for people who are like, what are syncs? Synchronization is, uh, just, yeah, sync, short, you know, so for synchronization, uh, referring to a synchronization license, which is the license, um, one has to get, say, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They, or actually, let's take something that really just happened recently, like Whiskey and, and, and Bollas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a, a sync where, you know, the music supervisor for, for, for Bollas, which I believe was, um, Scott Venner, um, would, reach out to WizKid's publisher or his camp directly and say, hey, we want to license this track. And then WizKid's people would obviously issue their terms and the you know, terms would be agreed and then a, a, a contract would be drafted and that contract is called a synchronization license. And it's basically the, the, embo- the um, underlying copyright. You need to secure that as well as um, the master. So the master is usually owned by the label or the artists themselves, if they're signed to themselves, you know. And the underlying copyright is owned by the songwriter. So in the, in the case of which something very common here in America or in Europe, like multiple writers on the song, that's, that brings about, like, multiple publishers. So if five people wrote, I don't know, a song like Sweet Love, for example, in this case, um, hypothetically, then they would have to reach out to five different publishers for them to secure the percentages of everyone, because you have to amount everything to 100% mm-hmm. before you go ahead. You cannot, like, if there are three writers on the song, you can't just go and meet two and say, hey, I need to secure your rights and then not meet the third person. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to be on board so that everyone is, you know, in the know and everyone receives their, their due um, sums accordingly. And also just for people who are wondering, maybe when he said masters, masters are what the artist actually performs and that is, like he said, yeah. what is owned by the record label. And that is ex- essentially distinct from the composition, which is the lyrics and the melody. The melody of, exactly. And that's the publishing aspect. And it's important to also note that we have a lot of record labels now, especially in America, not Lucia, but Nigeria, but a lot of record labels that are doubling as record labels and publishing companies. Because, yeah. you know, they want to ensure that they're maximizing every aspect of the artist's um, catalog and all these, sorry? No, I was just agreeing with you, I was just about yeah. yeah, and just also kind of going back to your role as director of Sinks, um, like you brought up Davido's, um, I'm sorry, Whiskey's, um song being played on Baller. What about Davido's Scale of Woo on Queen of Cat? Wait, were you responsible for that? Especially because no. of fine, no? Actually, I wasn't responsible for that, funny enough. Um, that happened right Sort of right before we came in, but yeah, but I was responsible for that one. Okay. I was going to also ask, ask that, if you could just explain pitching songs to different businesses and entities, just briefly, what that what that involves, and people who would like to know more about that. Um, well, it's just basically, like, a company like, um, say, Vice or someone, you know, they're using, actually, yeah, I work with Vice quite a lot. So say so say Vice, they're, they're, they're making uh, one of the many documentaries or, you know, films or whatever and then they want to use some music because I have a relationship I will easily just 
hit the you know music suit for the project and say, hey, would you like to try this song for this film or or you know, vice versa? You know, he could hit me up and say, hey, I'm working on this film. Do you have anything that you know works for this? And these are the type of emails I get you know on a daily uh, from my different um, sub publishers in, in different regions. They'll just be like, you know, hey, we're working on this or we have a client working on this ad and they're looking at this type of music and my job is to go through our catalog and look for the best music that will fit what they're looking for so i would then obviously pitch i'll send it you know it's a little description you know everything I, you know and they need to know about the artist about the song and send the songs over and then if they like the songs they get back to me and say hey let's go for it at which point because we have the publishing rights for the song we, we have the 100% of the publishing side, we need to now secure the 100% of the master. So it's easy for us to just hit up, you know, the label or whatever, because we already have their publishing oh, side. Yeah. Say, hey, we, all, we need the master side, blah, blah. And then, you know, we do the sync license. And that's pretty much it. That's, you know, that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And you've pitched, you secure the sync, and, you know, an artist's song gets played on the show, and the streams go up by 10 million. Mm -hmm. in, you know, <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's literally... How the music industry works today, and that's how people should look to work the music industry in this day and age. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally, totally. And I'll just kind of also because I went through, like I said, I went through your website. Another thing that you touched on that I would like for you to explain to people is also um, neighboring rights. And I feel like right. a lot of people kind of get that confused. So mm -hmm. can you just explain to the audience what neighboring rights are? Okay, so I. I I heard this somewhere. I don't know how true it is, but this is how the name Neighboring Rights came about. Um, and it makes sense when you think about it. Basically, um, publishing deals with, you know, the composition as, as we've, uh, we've established, right? Mm -hmm. And then the master is, is the label side, and that's the sound recording, right? So Neighboring Rights comes from the fact that the master and the sound recording is literally the next-door neighbor to the publishing. <laughs> 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 the publishing. <laughs> well, that's why that's... <laughs> so that's it's such a funny story but yeah that's kind of just to, to help people remember it and differentiate that's like an easy way i find just think of it as the next door neighbor it's on the other side of publishing and um composition and it deals with sound recording and master so just like the example i used before um with whitney houston and dolly parton dolly parton is the publishing composition side whitney houston is the um performance sound recording and then then they bring rights so any income that you know, would be made for Whitney Houston on that would be from the neighboring rights as well as obviously the sales. And also, that is one of the services that Inventum also offers. So beyond the yeah. publishing, you also offer neighboring rights services as well. Yeah, we do. So we kind of, we cover both sides and it makes it easier for us because then when you're, you know, when you're controlling both sides, it's easy to just obviously pitch for a mm -hmm, sync. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go and chase someone up and say, hey, I need the master. Yeah. You know, you have it. So yeah, but, um, and, and just like, and this is what I was saying about like they're up to forty different revenue streams. Just like how um PRO's, you know, um Kosong, for example, in Nigeria yeah. will pay or ASCAP and BMI or PRS in the UK, they will pay the performance side for publishing. They are for the UK there's a company called PPL and they will pay neighboring rights. So there's usually another royalty waiting for the artists after they've collected one from PRS. There's another one waiting at PPL. So it's that kind of thing. If you don't know about these things, then obviously you can never operate and you need people who are in the know, who are ready to take care of you, to sort you out. 
<laughs> yeah, when you say PRO, PRO means uh, performance rights organization. So if you could also explain what PROs do and how that's also kind of connected to what Immensum, um, the services that Immensum offers to its clients. Well, PROs are in most of the world, you know, at least up to more than 90 countries that, you know, they're different PROs and they are the performance rights organizations, their job mainly is to collect, is to issue blanket licenses to establishments like, you know, hotels and, and, and clubs and, and, and TV stations and radio stations to enable them play the music they play. So when these guys pay their blanket licenses, um, you know, the radios and the TVs and all these guys, the PRO will then kind of sort through everything and they have a formula they use based on how much each artist gets played. So BMI, for example, have about 750,000 writers, right? So for all those people who are registered, all the money that comes in, say, for America, they have 100,000 registered. They will look through their, you know, the, the formula and say, hey, this person's Beyonce's or, not, or you know, whoever has been mm-hmm. played, you know, a million times. So based on this formula and a million times, this is how much you get of the blanket license we've collected from everyone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it, that's kind of, that's basically how it's split. And the same for every other country around the world, including well, should I say including Nigeria? Yeah, because it wouldn't the equivalent for that would be Coson. Well, yeah. So Coson now, I admire Coson because of what they have attempted or are attempting to do. But it's it's very Nigeria's like a different ballgame because companies. And establishments naturally are finding it hard to pay for music in a climate where music is pretty much valueless. And that's our fault. We don't um, value our music. So people devalue it for us. So it's hard for you know, a company like Coson to say, hey, this station or this club pay us X amount of millions of nairas for using these songs. And then the club will look at them and be like, Puh, what are you talking about? Jamie would, or the radio station will be like, Puh. We're giving these guys promotion, you know, so it's kind of like, it's a, it's a hard climate and that's why Kosan have had to resort to multiple lawsuits. It's, 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 it's hard because people, you know, then they go to arbitration and then, you know, they'll settle at something, you know, which is much less than what they really do. So it's like, it, it's just, it's a hard, hard climate in Nigeria. And, um, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm defending Kosan because Kosan as well have their faults. And they can improve as anything in life. You can improve. You what can would do. You say, what would you say their faults? What their faults are? Um, just, I mean, I'm not, you know, trying to like. I, I guess enabling a better environment for music publishers in Nigeria. That's a major. That's a major thing for me because at the end of the day, the PRO is meant to work directly with songwriters. Yes, but they're also meant to work with um, music publishers. Even in, even if they like. I think Poson operates with, um, if I'm correct, the European model of like copyright and publishing, which is um, something. It's it, it's French for uh, droit auteur, which is just it's like 100 percent for the author or something or the writer in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you don't deal with the publisher as much as you have to. You can just go directly with the author. But even in these countries, they still have publishing companies because you need publishing companies to do other things, uh, you know, things besides collection. But my point is, I think Kosan should enable a more publisher-friendly environment. Maybe encourage companies to stop other, you know, publishing companies to begin to kick off to bring things in or, or advocate for things that will enable Nigerian artists understand publishing. You know, like they they, they should have like regular workshops and just you know, there's just there's so much like that can be done in my opinion 
um, by Kosan. And yes, they're, you know, they're still a young company. Um, I mean, you know, publishing this, it is like a, something that's been going on for over 100 years and we're only just catching up in the last decade. Mm. So there's still, there's, there's, we have a while to, just like in Nigeria, like the country itself, we're still a young country when you think about it. So we're trying to do a lot and we'll get there, you know, but it's like, the sooner the better, you know, <laughs> for everyone to see. Yeah, and just like this is me playing the, um, I guess being the playing this counter argument for Kosan is because mm-hmm. you know you have some people, uh, singer songwriters, and people whoever producers who are um who are um self published. So mm-hmm. could an argument for Kosan be well because some of these people are self published and they they don't want to have to go through a music publisher. That's one reason for them to deal with songwriters directly. Well, see, so here's the thing. Um, you need some. You need music publishers for many things as a, as a PRO, not just for uh, what you want to call it for paying out work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even just for like, I don't want to go into a lecture here. You do need a music publisher for. You need them to account for you know um, certain counterclaims. Like an artist, a songwriter can't really deal with counterclaims. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how, how where do you want to begin to deal with the admin, the administrative mm-hmm. yeah. process, music publishing, the hard part that people don't you know music publishers don't get praised for. Like you cannot, you cannot. Come on, like an artist. If 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 you have seven hundred songs in your catalog and you submit it, you know, to Coson and Coson comes back and says, "Hey, six hundred of these songs um are being claimed by another writer." What do you want this artist to begin to start to understand? Not even understand because anybody can learn anything. But it's just you. If you're already a touring artist, you're on the road, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're gonna to have to hire somebody to do it, and who do you hire? The person who knows what they're doing, a music publisher. Yeah. So why would the PRO not want to deal with the music publisher yeah. to put out a counterclaim? And that's just one of many things. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, you need. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I, I, I've defended. You know, before I sort of suggested or made my suggestion for what Koson could do, I did defend them. Oh no, no, no. Well, I, this is not even to. This is not a Koson chastisement. I'm trying to like make you make an yeah. argument. I bring it up because uh, I, um, one of my what's it called, um, music law classes. That was an argument that my professor raised, even with ASCAP and BMI. That you know sometimes people have issues. Publishers have issues with PROs choosing to deal directly with the songwriter rather than going through them. And that was the argument that you know he said that sometimes people raise. So I just wanted to, you know, see that if that's one argument that Coson probably in their mind as an organization they're making that, you know. Well, who knows? I mean, I think you also need, that's why I was going to suggest also, I think Coson perhaps they need maybe more songwriters on their board, if you know what I mean. So that it's like, I guess, maybe a more level playing field. You know, not that they're not songwriters. I mean, Chief Tony Courage is a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need like a few more. Like ASCAP, it's a, it's a board, you know, that's equally split between songwriters and execs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, same goes for BMI. Like, that's it, it, so everyone can have a fair argument. Yeah. It's not just mm-hmm. one sided. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, cool, cool. Yeah. And now, just another question I have is based on your experience, what would you say are like key business practices that you feel like a lot of Nigerian artists, especially music producers, because that's what kind of like what the show is focused on, music producers and songwriters. What would you say are important business practices that they are failing to pay attention to? Um, number one is split sheets. Number one. Need to define what split sheets are. So a split sheet is basically for any track that's done. Um, you should at either before. Uh, the track is, is is done, or maybe in, during, or you know, you kind of everyone starts to have 
an idea of, okay, what their contribution to the track is. Now, sometimes, obviously, some people want more than they are due or whatever, but it's down to either the artist directly or through their representatives, being their managers or their publishers who, or whoever, lawyers, whoever, to agree and have it written. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, it, it's, it's, it's being done more and more. Some people are getting it right. Some people do have split sheets when they, when they make tracks and, you know, split sheets that cover both the publishing side and the master. Because at the end of the day, the performers on the track, you know, if it's this person featuring that person, that person still deserves some of the performance uh, and the neighboring rights that come because he performed on the track as well or she performed on the track as well with the featured artist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you need a split sheet for both the publishing and you need a split sheet for the master or, or, or one just agreeing on both sides and everyone comes to a fair agreement on what they are due. So in the, on, in the case of for the pub, especially where you see it, where there could be up to 10 songwriters on the song, the split sheets are needed so that everyone knows what they're due. And then uh, the publishers can file accordingly with the PROs what the songwriter they represent is due. Um, and that's something we lack in Nigeria. People just, for the, for the longest time, produce out how much you charge, 400k, okay. Uh, take 400k, make me beats. Sometimes they don't even pay up front. They pay, it takes ages to pay. You know, I, I feel for the producer mm -hmm. in Nigeria, really do. Um, they, sometimes it'll take them months to receive their money, however, whatever the amount. And then that's it. The artist goes on to perform in a hundred places or the song, even let's leave performances aside. But I, I say performance because you can actually even get paid for live performances in terms of performance royalties. If you file, if your publisher files properly. So the artist can even go perform or his song is performing well, you know, on the radio and in the clubs and everywhere. And he's receiving royalties from maybe Coson or whoever, or PRS or whoever. And then the person who produced the track, is, you know, who's also a songwriter, you know, because legally it's joint work. So the person who's on the track as well is not getting anything. It's kind of, you know, I feel for them. So when, you know, now they started asking questions. They started um, requiring uh, split sheets to be signed. And I, I like that because I, I, I personally have encouraged a lot of people to do that. And I'm happy to see that they do that. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of them follow my desk, you know, having, you know, after, okay, a split sheet, even for people who I do not represent. And by the way, my website doesn't actually show all the people I represent. I guess it just shows, you know, the most recognizable, you know, because I can't really list all the people I represent. Um, just, it's, it's, it'll, well, it literally would take about three pages. And I just can't be bothered. And, okay, just another thing is like, I mean, and I totally agree with that. Echo, echo all, all, all what you just said. Now, because um, this is me, again, playing devil's advocate. Again, someone may say the music industry is not even like that functional. So, and like you said, like we've like we rightly said, if you want to take your business to the next level, you find a music publisher and you go from that next process. But what if someone says, well, in Nigeria, you have a lot of artists that tell you that um, they don't want you to use a split sheet. And then if you don't, if you say you want to go ahead with the split sheet, then they say that they don't want you to produce that record. So there are people who, I guess my point is, there are people who, because of the fear, and like some producers have mm. rightly agreed, um, coach, people are hungry. Yeah. People want yeah. to pay their children's school fees. Yeah. People want to pay their house rent. So we are here talking about uh, do split sheets, all these things, which is, which is again, it's about long term versus short term. You know what I'm trying to say? But mm -hmm. for people who are like, you know, more concerned about 
like you said, like I said, paying about paying their children school fees or even just having like you know roof over their heads. How would you go about telling them about the importance of? Um, it's just for me, it's just common sense. I mean, it's like if you make a record, for example, right? As a as for, to, for everyone, there's a, there's some, just, it's like rudimentary stuff. If you make a record, you need to promote it, right? So you're not gonna say I'm not gonna promote it. If you like, if as a producer, if you to make a record, you need like software. Pro Tools, Logic, Free Loops, whatever you use, Reason, you need to either, you know, buy it, pay for it, download it, whatever you do, but you need to get it before you move forward. So it's like, why don't why why don't we just think the same way for a split sheet? You need to sign a split sheet before the song is released. If not, it throws everything into chaos. Like, why can, you know, it's just, it's like common sense. It's something like, and I get that. Yes, people are hungry and people sometimes might be intimidated. And everywhere in the world, people sign bad deals or bad contracts. I mean, look at Kesha, mm-hmm. you know, what she's going through. It's, it's kind of basically the same thing. She went through a production company, yeah. which, you know, it meant certain artists, you know, depending on your situation, if you can, don't do that. You know, but hey, you go through a production company, you get screwed. It's the same thing. So if you, if you're if you are intimidated or you, you have no choice, then just maybe make sure the contract you're signing is not so long, so you can <laughs> you can either renegotiate or get out of it in 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 due time, you know, in a fairly short period of time. Yeah, sorry, because I remember speaking to um a producer Shakey's, and that was one of the conversations that we talked about in terms of publishing, and he was like, you know, he agrees that a lot of Nigerian producers need to recognize the importance of split sheets but then at the same time like he said like i like i just said is that he said that sometimes you have people who they're really hungry and they don't have you know money and so for them he said that what advice he would give is that if you're so caught up in ensuring that you have food over your food on your table and you know all these different amenities that you need he's like just charge high like you said you people want to eat people are hungry Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing they're going to charge low so they in fact that's what ensures that at least they're getting something fair mm-hmm. when they, they split on a, on a track. Because even if they're charging, some producers do not charge a thing to some artists for for tracks, and they just all share the pub, or you know just share the rights, the general, you know, the neighboring rights, and the pub. They're fine. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. people, it's, it's and that serves as the payment right there. So there's no way you cannot charge high. Like if you're charging, and it's not, it's it's just that's just the climate. It, things are hard, so you have to. Have a split sheet if you're trying to survive. Because I don't know what the process is, but I want to believe that, you know, Koson uh, will support split sheets. I want to believe that they will, just like any other PRO, receive uh, split sheets or multiple claims on, on different, on, 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 on a track. Or if anything, you still need, the other thing I would say is maybe sign up with a, find a publisher to do this for you or sign up with. Well, you have to anyway, or your publisher can help you, but sign up with PROs directly so that once you signed up, if you're a producer, you produce this track with this artist and they paid you 400k, eh, still go and sign up with Poson and sign up with PRS or whoever and put your claim in for the track. At the time, unless you have an agreement with the artist that it's a work for hire, or unless they're saying um, you, you're not going to be due any royalties mm-hmm. and you sign off on that, yeah. if you have not signed off anything like that, bro, you still have money to collect. So put your claim in for the track. If if the you know co-owner or whoever reaches out to the main artist who owns the track and says, hey, this person is claiming on the song, you cannot say the person did not contribute. Legally, it's a joint work. Joint mm-hmm. work legally is split 50-50. Just, you know, a little gem I'm throwing out there for <laughs> all the people listening. Go and claim your rights. Like, and you have to find a publisher to, to help you because you still need a publisher to get the publisher's side anyway. 
but still on your own you can go register as a writer with any PRO. It's usually free. Some people charge, but if they're charging, they're worth it, I guess. But um, it's usually free, and you know, sign up with a PRO and um, and yeah, get your rights, get your money as producer. You know? Because of like you said, the lack of education, people don't understand it enough to want to go into the business. I think it's easier to understand a record label is just okay. You start a company that promotes music and you, sh- you shoot videos, you record the music for the artists, and you provide, you know, you take care of the artists, and that's kind of a more simplified business structure for a lot of people. But then with like a publishing company, it definitely is more complicated and more mm-hmm. complex. And, you know, you have to do a lot more things, but I think people should take it on. And if you really love the music and the industry, if we're all trying to get the industry to where we want it to be, I mean, we're seeing what's going on. You know, everyone, uh, everybody is, is, is reaching the world. I mean, you know, every artist from, from Wiz to T-Wild, everybody, we're reaching the world. So if we want to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. um, and we want to sustain this because at the end of the day, when you look back to like the big Caribbean Jamaican songs of like 2000, the early, you know, late 90s and early 2000s, Sean Paul and Beanie Man and all of them, they all came as a collective. They came all as a wave. It wasn't just like one person, you know, like standing there. So we can't just have like, you know, Wiz and David and Tiwa and, you know, just doing their thing because after a while, people kind of fall out of love with the sound. So we all need to just galvanize ourselves and move together as an industry. Everyone needs to get their act together. Publishers um, need to, more publishers need to come into the industry. You know, um, competition always, uh, always like, it's always good for the market. So I always encourage it. So more people need to come in, more, 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 more knowledgeable heads need to come in and more, um, I think the problem, the age old problem in Nigeria as well, you know, more of the older people need to kind of loosen their grip and let young people take charge, mm-hmm. you know, so, cause eventually it's gonna end up in the hands of the young people. So why not just work with them? Why block? So I find that a lot of older um, executives and just, you know, just older, elder statesmen of the music industry are not really doing what they should do in terms of integrating the young into it because then you would ed- you, you just get more people educated and get more people aware. So some of these conferences that happen, we should have, like, real talks and real recorded and televised, you know, and, and, and live-streamed talks about, hey, where's the music publishing sector of this country? Like, for example... And I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. No, no, go, seriously, go uh, ahead. IFP, I don't know if you've ever heard of IFP. They're, um, they're a company, uh, the, uh, I believe it's International Federation of... Um, oh, uh, the pornographic? Porn- yeah, pornographic in, industry, in, exactly. In, yeah. mm-hmm. So they release, like, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an IFP uh, follower, member, and I, I, I read the report every every year. And this year, you know, the report came out for, you know, so obviously they always report for the year the, uh, prior, you know, the previous year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so in 2017, they brought out the 2016 numbers, and I reached out to them instantly. I was like, "Hey, you, you know, where are the figures? What's what's going on with you guys? Talk about Africa. You know, like streaming was up 300 percent in mm-hmm. South Africa for example, in 2016, which means it's growing, and you know, there's money to be made for artists, even our artists. And I asked them, "Hey, where's Nigeria on this? Where 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 are the stats for Nigeria? You know, because they pretty much report on every country in the world." And the guy told me, "Hey, Nigeria's not, you know, doesn't report, and Nigeria's, you know, record music industry is not recorded, and because it doesn't report." And it's like it 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 broke my heart because yeah. then I was, you know because I know I think we talked about this off off air where you know you're talking about PwC valuing yeah. uh, the industry and I'm, I always look at it like come on guys like where are you getting these figures from because this is so skewed like you have no clue what the true value of this industry is it's way 
way more than what they're talking. They said it was like 40 million or 47 million, and it's going to be what 86 million yeah. by 2020. Come on, I, they, they're probably only just getting like the telco information from like RBTs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you know the, the streaming services, the local ones. But there's like so much being lost. It's like you, we're living, we're in a basket and there's just, you're catching water with a basket. Like there's so much value being lost in the Nigerian music industry and it's so annoying. And um, I can go on and on in this industry, but it's it's one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I mean, people like myself, you know, people would tell me, hey, when are you coming back home? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I mean, my, my, my plan is to definitely come back and bring my knowledge and, you know, have my fair share of input to the industry because I think I, I have something valuable to bring to it but I, I guess I've just chosen to come and fight with the big dogs in in, in the Americas <laughs> establish us as a, as a global company and then it, I guess it's it's you know Nigeria they never or just generally they never what's a, the what's that saying about the prophet is a stranger in his own land or whatever kind of how I see it I want to like I want, I, I want us to first conquer it like you know on a global scale which makes it easier to just integrate Nigeria into our plan for me personally it's that I was you know I was in Nigeria you know part of the industry and I guess I felt like I peaked I I, I, I hit a ceiling and I needed more mm-hmm. um, I mean like I said at the very beginning I, I started my music business career in England so and I was dealing I was friends with the NR of a very popular artist by the name of Ed Sheeran in 2010 he this is when he had like five uh, something five albums project or something I can't remember what it's called now but it had like him playing with like Dot Rotten and and Mikhail Payne and people like that before anything before 18 the first version of 18 was even on that out on that EP or whatever and I, I used to like wrote like his A&R so it's like I always had my interest in the music business, so it's, it's always been, it's, it's, been, it's definitely been way back, you know? Wow, this is so cool. I guess we could go on and on and on yeah. with the conversation, but I wanted to just um, probably go on to the fun random questions portion of the interview. For an upcoming producer, a Nigeria or singer-songwriter who, if he's listening to this conversation and wants to, like you said, take their career to the next level and they want immense music, pronounce that properly, to be you know to help them with that how can they go about reaching the company um simple just email info at immensummusic.com that's mm-hmm. it literally that's it and that's that's you know that's our catch-all and you know we'll take it from there um and we we talk to you or you can well, i encourage you to actually go to our website and just fill out the support ticket and um tell us as much give us as much information because it makes it easier when you know we're reaching back to you, but it's cool. Like that's all. Just email and then it's it's it's. I mean, there's a phone number there mm-hmm. on the website and all that. And yeah. Um, yeah, but it's always easier to email just because um, I deal with a lot of people from the continent as a whole. So I'm talking to South Africa, I'm talking to Kenya, I'm talking to Nigeria. Um, sometimes I'm talking to like someone in Australia. So time difference is like, I, I really don't sleep. So time difference thing is, it's, it's hectic. So I don't encourage phone calls because you can call out, you know, at a time when I will be trying to catch an hour of sleep or something. Yeah. So it's always better to just email. And even when you call, the office might be closed because you know, you're calling in your country. It's like 2 p.m. Exactly. 11, 11, 11 p.m. in LA. And in LA, yeah, there's no one in the, in, in the office at like 8 p.m. or something mm-hmm. to answer the phone. So it's like, yeah, you. So it's just better to get send an email and it, it goes to everyone, and then um, yeah, someone will get back to you. Yeah. Okay. 
Vancouver. I just wanted to make sure, because, you know, some people may hear, like, oh, well, they're based all the way in L.A., but like we said, um, a publisher does not have to be an engineer to represent you. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to agree with you. Definitely not. And it depends on really um, what market you're chasing. Mm -hmm. Like, I deal with, um, you know, music soups and film companies in Nigeria as well. Um, Actually, I want to say something about that. Um, and just going back to what I said earlier about valuing music, Nigeria, we really need to start to value our music because, I mean, I get requests all the time. I, I got a request recently for, you know, a big movie in Nigeria coming out soon. And, um, you know, they're trying to license some tracks for some of my, my catalog and my, 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 my clients. And they, they, they first actually offered, you know, like just terrible, ridiculous things. And I was like, oh, they just didn't want to pay. And I was like, Come on, guys. Like, I've just finished doing a sync with, like, a major feature company, and I've just done another one with Amazon Originals here, and it's like, okay, these people are out the gate offering at least even something decent, right? And you guys are coming, well, because we're Nigerian, you're coming, and you're like, oh, you know, it's free. We don't have much, you know. Like, come on. It's not fair. Like, it's not even about, okay, it's just not fair. Like, you, you need, for a film, what, what film, what thing does not require music? Mm. You know what I mean? What, what thing does not require music that is, that is audiovisual? Come on. So when someone comes to you and tells you they want to pay you peanuts for your, 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 your client's, you know, copyright, and you're like, no, sorry, respectfully, I cannot do it. They go off and, you know, people talk and people form a reputation in their minds about your company that you guys are a bit difficult to deal with or this or that but it's not that it's just i, I really i'm really hoping I'm, I'm i'm wishing that nigeria starts to see the value in music because the rest of the world does you know the the, the, the recorded music industry in, in america is about 15 billion or something like that like come on it's about 15 billion dollars by the way you know so it's like and what is nigeria it's like you know what, what when are we going to start to see things and look at the bigger picture and start to try and challenge ourselves mm-hmm. and not undercut ourselves so it's really annoying and it's really painful because i get a lot of requests in nigeria for things and it's just always a terrible experience i mean i've had one or two done but generally it's like it's not a pleasant experience because people undervalue the music grossly like it's bad mm-hmm. you know yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad that you even touched on that because that, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to even ask because some people may say okay well is it that you strictly deal with just pitching internationally do oh. you also pitch stuff um, which we which we, we we operate you know around the world five continents you know and we yeah we have you know we have a presence everywhere so we pitch we're, we're getting opportunities from you know Australia believe it or not there's like Nigerian music in China and it's you know it's it's really booming. Wow. So we get requests from like a lot of places, um, and it's there. So we, but we, op- we, we definitely, obviously, um, being that I'm, I'm Nigerian. I mean, first, you know, and my, my mission is to obviously bring this to Nigeria to help empower the industry. So definitely, we work with Nigerian film companies and and ad agencies and whatnot. You know, and and um, we try to get music placed in Nigeria, but it's just not the easiest thing because they don't put value to mm-hmm. the music and the 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 environment has not been enabled. People are not used to talking to publishers about clearing a track or negotiating a track for, for an ad or something. Another problem is that most of Nigerian ad agencies actually, or most Nigerian clients and brands actually outsource to like other countries. So, you know, England or South Africa or somewhere, they'll send, you know, their, their ads and the creative there. So 
those companies there will have to now start looking for music mm-hmm. at least to you know it's always better when you do not, I won't say always better but it, I, I feel in this case for Nigeria it's better if we had like local ad agencies and music supervisors yeah. working with the industry trying to get music and that's like it's like a whole I just when I think about it think of the jobs think of like a new set of jobs for like music supervisors yeah. meet someone in Nigeria like I'm a music supervisor mm-hmm. meet someone like an A&R I, I work in admin in this publishing company mm-hmm. I work in you know and then obviously Nigerian lawyers who don't get a fair rap you know and I, I feel bad for you guys because there's just not much out there I mean litigation is, is, is terrible mm-hmm. um, only do like contract law and you know and, and close deals for big companies that's how you make money as a lawyer in Nigeria you can work in a publishing company they need your expertise every day because it deals with copyrights and you know intellectual property so it's just it's like if our country saw the big picture and the people like I said earlier who have the power within the industry saw the big picture they would make these things possible and they would enable the environment that's what I keep saying they need to enable the environment you know for people to come in to want to do this and not not just wait for the majors to come in, you know, and come and make Nigerian office, but actually encourage local, you know, she we're doing buy Naira to grow, buy Niger to grow mm-hmm. Naira. Mm-hmm. Let's do things to put people in, you know, yeah. in jobs, mm-hmm. put people, people's seats on, 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 you know, um, people's bums on, on desks rather. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's my point. Um, and cause I employ that, you know, I, we have an office in Nigeria and I employ, you know, I employ people. So I know what I'm saying. and I know how, how hard it is, first of all, to even employ people because of lack of education. But then even further beyond that is that the lack of environment doesn't even enable the companies to want to set off. Yeah. So it's like a big snowball effect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just even just you talking about the wealth of job opportunities, people just think that, oh, within the music industry, either I have to be an artist manager, I have exactly. to be a singer, a rapper, a producer, exactly. but there's more to that, you know? Oh, let's, let's, let's not even go into that. <laughs> let's, let's, I, will, I can take you on another <laughs> Well, let's go on to the fun random questions. You know, I think that we've done our best to talk about the music business side of things. So this is, you know, my favorite part. Okay, not favorite part. Because, <laughs> like, not like I'm negating on what you just said. So let's just move on to the fun random questions. Okay, all right. So first question is, if you could pick a new name for yourself, what name would you pick? Um, well, like, like government name. Yeah, government. Boy, I don't know, you know, I've never thought of that. I guess, yeah, I don't nickname. know. Yeah, nickname, yeah, nickname. Imos or something, I don't know. Sorry? Like, is it Imos or something, I Amos. don't know. Imos. <laughs> wait, wait, for more just, wait, why Amos? I'm just playing, of course not. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> Amos is a good name, well, let's not. Amos is a very good name, by the way, but, you know, Amos is like, you just have that sound here, Amos! <laughs> yeah, so, oh my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, no, um, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. All right, cool. Good point. Let's move on. So what would you say is, is your favorite movie quote? Movie quote, I do not have. I have music quote. Okay, um, let's go with that. So mind you, I'm, I'm terrible with like on the spot like, questions, because I'm a deep thinker, so I have to like think really deep. But anyway, um, music quote, uh, my favorite line is, um, apply yourself to supply your wealth. And that, obviously, that, you know, when you think of wealth, not just like money, but as mm-hmm. knowledge and just everything that, you know, has value or brings value to your life. That's what I, you know, I, I, I classify as wealth. So, yeah, apply yourself to supply your wealth. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's by um, GLC on, um, funny enough, it's a Kanye West track. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe it's My Way Home mm-hmm. on late registration. Okay. 
Yeah, I think like we checked it. Oh, I kind of yeah. That, <laughs> had that. Um, that's the artist in you. You know, you haven't told us yeah. what your uh, stage name was, but don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I will just tweet it. Tweet it. Frida. 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 Okay. Frida. <laughs> okay. All right. Third question is: If you have to decide between okra soup, egusi soup, or oha soup. Ah, oha any day, man. Like, mm-hmm. I was, when you had, because uh, Egusi is actually, like, my least favorite. Okay. But, um, okra is definitely, you know, up there. But oha is the one. Oha is, like, that's my, that's my team. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just thought about that. Anime. Okay, cool. Yeah, oha, uh, oha is, oha is great. Oha. Although I like okra. Okra is, like, my favorite. But, um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, I, okay, this is totally random. Have you, um, had okra and plantain before? Never. I don't what? think I will be having that. What? Why do people? Why is that like so? Like people never get that. Like whenever, because I grew up eating as a child, like okra and plantain, like with stew, obviously. Fried or boiled plantain? Fried, fried plantain. Have you had boiled plantain? Yeah, I have had, but no, no, not with okra. No, not with okra. Some people don't like it. That's why I was like, yeah, isn't it? But anyway, no, I've not had. Okra it's, and plantain, it's, you know, so, like, it's, it's so nice. It just doesn't. I mean, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm, I'm actually a very big um, food. I'm a foodie, basically, mm-hmm. and I have to try things. So, I. But I don't think I'll be trying it. <laughs> okay. I don't. Know, I always. You know. I just wanted to ask because I always get that response. Like people see me and they're like, "Are you seriously going to eat that?" And I'm like, "Um, yeah." It's really awesome. But anywho, let's move on. All these judgy people. Um, your favorite childhood memory. Favorite childhood memory would probably be probably playing this like my, so my dad um, played the guitar and he played a lot he played instruments and stuff so but he was never like a musician but I just sitting down with him and like singing and him playing the guitar or just listening to like Harry Belafonte and maybe you know fell out or something as a kid you know on vinyl you know um, this in the house yeah I had a very it's funny because. Actually, if I segue again, my mm-hmm. family, um, music was a huge part of my I was about to ask that, like, where did that, yeah, but go on, I'm glad that you're going on, yeah. Huh? Like, but, and it's actually, like, my first, like, you know, loves music, I had, like, not, like, hip-hop or anything, it was more, like, like, techno stuff, and, like, as I listened to, I, like, I watched a lot of, like, craft work and just, um, and then it would be, like, R&B stuff, so a lot of Sade and a lot of Prince, and then my first, actually my first rap CD was 1993, Naughty by Nature. Um, I got into that. Like, yeah, my mom bought me that. <laughs> and then um, Janet Jackson, um, the one that has, uh, what's that album called, man? I can't remember now. Janet. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I had a lot of, um, hip-hop kind of came later, like with Biggie and that came like later on. I actually didn't know Biggie and Tupac till he died, funny enough. And I know a lot of people be like, what? But yeah. The day Tupac died is the day I found out who he was. Like, so my my, my friend comes in, Tupac is dead. I'm like, who's that? He's like, but you don't know Tupac. I'm like, no. Like, who's that? And he's like, okay, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> but you know, you know, see, I you know, I always say like, there's no room for snobbishness in snob- being snobby or snooty in music because I feel like, like you said, like people's wealth of experience and you know, I guess exposure to music is. So I try. I think my point is that I feel. I, I empathize with you because I try not to be too judgy to people who are like, you haven't heard this. And I'm like, I'm like, why? You know, but then like, people have different backgrounds, you know? So. Very much so. Like, yeah. I definitely like, like, oh man, my brother, like rock, 
So my brothers and I, like, even in, like, at a point in Nigeria, I was like, I would roll around in my car, just blasting rock music, and people in traffic would look at me like, what's this devil? Yes. <laughs> Super King. Like, you know, I was just like, what is going on? Like, and I love, like, System of a Down and oh Queen's Oh, my God, Stop yeah, I could sing the whole Toxicity album, like, front to back. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, Lincoln Park and all that. Like, I saw Lincoln Park live, like, you know, like, things. So, it's like, that's so music. Everyone who knows me just knows me. I'm a music guy. And it's not just, like, hip-hop and, you know, and Niger music or whatever or, or R&B. I actually, like, I do music. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have, like, you know, I listen to, like, Brazilian music or, you know, a lot of, like, flamenco or just, you know, from South African music, you know, with the Kwaito hits. And I, I just, I can go around. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can go around with music, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just before I go into the third question, is like, I always feel like, um, especially for people who want to be A&Rs in Nigeria, I always say that, you know, it's really, really important that you have a broad, you know, I guess, palette when it comes to music. Right. You know, because right. it really, really helps. It really, really helps. You, go ahead. No, just, of course, because artists are different. I mean, um, one artist can make music at the slowest tempo and, and it's just channeling a different vibe to a different audience and, 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 and from and the next artist can be making high level pop music and you have to be able to like have that ear to really understand just the different things you're hearing. If not you always just close your ear or close the you know, close an opportunity to that sound. You can because A have a lot of influence. You know, ARs, you know, most of the time will pick the songs that go on an album and things like that. And if you're picking the wrong songs from what your artist has done, or if you are um, just not even encouraging the artist to make the best music they can make, then that's a problem. So you did that to just going, you know, back to your point, you really need to have a, a very, very, very wide range and your palette needs to be on, you know, on point. Yeah. Now, okay. Uh, first question is what are your three favorite Nigerian records at the moment? Oof, at the moment, ooh, um, hmm, interesting. Let's see. I probably probably have to go through my iTunes or something. I don't know, like, um, but I can't actually. I told you I'm bad on the spot, so I, and I like to be very correct. So, mm-hmm. so I literally will go to my iTunes and look at. Really though, caught like yeah. off the top of your head, like what song can you say? Okay, well, like, look, look. So first of all, I have like two million songs in my head at any given point, so it's really hard to like answer such questions. Let's let's just say okay, I'm ooh, Fowls and um, what you call it, and Weiss. Something yeah, like. that's um, that's one. I really like that song. Okay. Um, I really like. I think I like this new Tiwa. Was a new EP. Yeah, oh and, my uh, gosh, it's I heard it. No, well, not the. I haven't heard the. Uh, I just heard the song with this kid, and um, Malo, yeah. I fell, I fell in love with it instantly. Um, so yeah, that that's that's definitely up there. Yep. Um, ooh, world. Show you off. Ah, uh, that is seriously. I feel like it's definitely gonna have that. It's gonna. It's gonna be one of those timeless records, honestly. Of course, of course, that is a timeless record. It's so like, and it's like you know, and it's it's like it was a while back that he was not like a while while back, but a while back that he last released year. it last year. Yeah. You know, which you know, in this day and age, people forget yeah. songs like forever. But you play it today, and it's still very fresh and very. Oh, you know, music. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Those are those are really good choices. I'm glad to hear those. Okay, now final question is: What was the last album that you purchased? Even though albums are still there. well, I mean we're in the streaming age. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, <laughs> listen to. Okay, let's say listen to. So last album I listened to is actually by a guy called uh, Noah Slee. Okay. 
and he is from New Zealand, I think, and it's called Otherland. Otherland. And yeah, Otherland. And um, the lead single of that is called, I think, Radar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a brilliant song. That's the last album I listened to. Before that, I listened to Genuine, the senior. Like, <laughs> from, like that's like this 2002 album. I do like I go like I do that. I no, mean, well, that's, yeah. Sometimes you you just revisit, you know, the yeah, the oldies. That's like that. That was that's like a favorite of mine. Like just and sometimes you have to go channel that because that was like a, a point. Music is like obviously for me it offers like timestamps and I, yeah. I remember where I was, what I was doing, or how I felt when I was listening to this particular album. Yeah. That's how I the album. So um so yeah, I just went back there and I wanted to be there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so but I, I have I, I'm an album guy, so I definitely listen to albums. Um, I mean, I listened to Life After Death, with Biggie, some days ago. Oh, there's a new guy I've been listening to actually. His name is Plaza. Plaza? I think he's signed to uh, OVO. He has a really dope EP. Um, okay. And then oh, actually last night I listened to the last. So she, I've gone on a bloody tangent. Last <laughs> night, the last album I listened to was Best of um, PM Dawn. PM Dawn is from like '91 or something like, um, and. There was this song, I Die Without You. That, that I heard it somewhere and I just went back to listen to the album, right? The, to the best of. I love, like, Pim Dong was, like, so dope. I feel like that's probably where The Weeknd got his, his vibe from. Because mm-hmm. uh, especially when he had, like, his his broccoli hairstyle. So it's broccoli <laughs> yeah. top. Yeah, that's, like, literally, Pim Dong used to do the same thing. So, um, yeah, you could check Pim Dong, I Die Without You. It's, a, it's an old song. It's, like, from the Boomerang soundtrack. And that, you see, oh, it's funny that we're talking about sync and everything. That was a sync, right? Yeah. So that's like I die without you. Um, it's a, it was a sync for Eddie Murphy and I think I Halle Berry. I, I think I know. That. I think I if I know that I think I know that song. I'm not really sure. But, but yeah, it was like the main song um, off that soundtrack. Yeah. When you, and um, yeah, and I've loved. I guess that kind of tells you how much I I love like <laughs> syncs and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, because the reason why I let you go on a tangent because that uh, you know, um, it's music and I love you know discovering new artists. So that's thank you for sharing those with us. Now, before we close, do you have any advice for aspiring or even established Nigerian artists, music producers, and songwriters? Um, know your rights. That's I think. Literally, that's simply put, know your rights. Um, there are books. The internet is alive and well. So if you don't trust people and you don't want to talk to people, then get on the internet. Just work, you know, read, research, know your rights, know what you can do, know what you're required to do. And it'll shock you that that thing that will make you or take you to the next level or make you blow, as you put it in Nigeria, <laughs> is like literally, if you Google searches away, like you just need to just get down you just need to want to know better and do better mm-hmm. for yourself and you will you know so just know your rights know what you're signing you know get a lawyer who has your best interest um and yeah just know your rights man i think i, I can't really put it yeah that's that's, that's, that's really apt you know and then people who want to become music executives what advice would you knowledge go and learn it because you can obviously have experience um, but experience can only take you so far, and the experience can—it's like you're—you're you're more or less running into a brick wall if you carry just experience without actual knowledge. Mm-hmm. So you literally be doing the same wrong thing over and over and over again for years. So the quicker you gain knowledge, you know, same thing. Go learn—you know—read some books. If you can, take a couple courses or whatever. You can never stop. Like I have a bookshelf, and I buy books every day. You know, music business books. I'm always reading just new stuff just to stay here because the industry is forever evolving. 
changing always. Like I tell you a story. I have a, I, like one of my I guess men, mentors. I'll call her. She used to work with um A and M Records. It is uh, A and M went on to kick help kick off Interscope and Jimmy Iovine over time. But Albert um Albert and Moss, I believe. Um, anyway, she used to work for A and M back in the day, and um. Today, she doesn't know how to release music in terms of she doesn't know how to use digital platforms and all that. She's like maybe 60 or 50 something years old, but she was like an exec who she, she worked at like, you know, Michael Jackson and all that back in the day. But now she doesn't know how to release music because she never stayed here. So it's like you need to stay here to the times and because, you, you, yeah, you might be on top of the world today, but if you don't. <laughs> Stay yeah. hip. That's how you fall off. That's yeah. how people come and take your place because they know what's going on. So, for example, right now, streaming is everything. Yeah. That's all. People just need to know that streaming is everything. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to be a bigger machine. So you need to know what you're doing as an exec. You need to know how to work your way around that world and how to get people value from that world if you want to stay alive in this industry today. You know, because the... the the physical space is it's it's dead, but it's it, it, I mean things like vinyl remain. Like I, I'm a vinyl collector, so I collect it for the art form, and you know as a lover of music genuinely. But you know it's not sustainable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So people need to like learn new things, and people need to get hit with the times and just evolve. Yeah, that's very true. And I, you know I I was going to even talk about something, but I think it just slipped my mind. I think uh, it was the importance of Nigerian artists and. Um, happen into merch you know i feel like that's a very very yeah go ahead so i'll touch on that so um yeah merch merchandise services that's one of the services we already mentioned which because obviously falls under image rights and um but the tricky thing with merch and the only thing i I say to people about merch is don't don't do merch if you don't have demand Mm. so because you 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 end up with you know with a loss you waste you waste some money but if you have demand if you're if you're getting some traction the merch is always a very viable option if you do it well because it's all about adding values it's a value-added service and you must add value you can't just make something expect me to pay for it or if it's not cool or if it doesn't if it's not bundled up with the release or something you know you need to like something to like add value you know for for your for your fan because they are it's a privilege to have these fans it's their choice they're messing with you by choice they're listening to your music by choice no one's forcing them do you know what i mean so it's like you have to respect them and you have to add value to their lives. So merch is, if, if you have fans who are loyal and you treat them well, they'll shoot you well, they'll buy your merch, but you need to, um, it's a no-brainer, man. Like, artists need merch. Um, like, it's, besides the fact that it's such a lucrative industry, I mean, I'm happy to be, like, just, like, so, someone like, like David now, who, um, I've been, you know, behind the scenes, if you've watched over the, I don't know, the past year, he's been actively engaging in merch and, you know, so I've been involved with that. And it's things like, it's just, I guess, that's what knowledge, you, when I say knowledge, you bring your knowledge, you know, and you, know, you help our situation. So it's like you need to, people just need to gain some knowledge. And then, you know, things like merch, it just, it's it's a no-brainer, man. You need to do it. Like, yeah, just everyone, it's a revenue stream. For people who want to find out more information about your company, they can go to your website, which is w- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just... uh immensemusic.com or www.immensemusic.com whatever um, however you want to do it yeah, uh, yeah immensemusic.com um, info at immensemusic is our email um, and yeah you can hit us up on all the socials you know Instagram Twitter Twitter Facebook mm-hmm. Shebang, immensemusic uh, and hit hit me up hey Kochikoye on Twitter mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much where I'm most responsive Twitter um, I don't really care much for like Instagram so and Snapchat is 
I, I consider that pretty private. So yeah, I'm not. I'm like I said, I'm a private guy. So Twitter is kind of where I will talk to people or engage with people um, the most. And yeah, that's me. Cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Carl. Thank you for having me. Um, I hope, yeah, I hope we've achieved uh, a lot uh, by you know in educating people and letting them know that yeah they need you know to take this business seriously. It's a business. So you know treat it like anyone who's selling you something in a shop or something. They need they need to get paid the right amount of money to keep their their store or their stall up. You know they need to pay their rent and all that stuff. So treat the thing like the same way you need your money so fight for it you know because you need to record you need to live you know and um fight for it yeah man so thank you thank you for having me and i hope we've uh done our bit to educate people on that i hope so too i hope so too well that is the show everyone thank you so much for listening as always i will be back in another two weeks with another awesome guest and my name is clary hasn't changed thank god for that (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry why are you why are you doubting why why are you doubting my clothes in it? Why let me put my clothes in it. Thank you very much. So my name is Shadi Anazie and you can connect with me at Shadi Nonconform. Till then, bye. The SNC podcast is produced by Shade Anosier and Tommy Wafaumi. To ensure you don't miss subsequent episodes, you can follow the show on its various social media handles at the SNC podcast. So that's T H E S N C P O D C A S T. And that name is universal across Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, iTunes, and Mixcloud. Alternatively, you can follow me on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.